Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Summit Podcast. Today, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right back into it with some more questions from you guys. So, today, I think uh, most of our topics are a little bit... We're actually going to keep going back and forth, but I have a couple of topics that were specifically requested to me. Mm. And I wanted to go ahead and answer these questions, but I also want your input. Okay. So, the first question is... Is it morally wrong to quit a job that is bad for your health without having another job lined up? So in other words, you hate your job and you want to quit, but you got nothing else in the back pocket. Should you quit your job? Well, should you quit your job is one thing. Like the, I guess the, the moral part, I guess the moral uh, aspect of it will really go towards whether it's bad for other people, kind of. Like, I wouldn't say it's immoral. I, I would say, like, quitting a job without um, without prior notice would be something I would classify as moral or immoral. Mm-hmm. But, like, quitting your job because you are it's unhealthy and you don't have anything lined up, I don't think that really falls on the morality scale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but should you do it? It depends on, like, the, the, the level of damage it's doing to you. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, obviously you want to quit, but try to get something lined up. And if it's like super damaging, like actually physically damaging, emotionally damaging, something that's like really affecting your life, then definitely try to get it as soon as possible. Hmm. So I have somewhat of an interesting take on this. The first thing that I would say is, is it morally wrong to quit your job? Absolutely not. Um, unless you're like the CEO of the, or the founder of a company and the whole livelihood of your entire company relies on you. Then in that situation, it might be because, you know, you are essentially damning hundreds of people, potentially, but all the people who work for you to try to figure out a new job, especially if it's on such short notice. Mm. However, I will say this, there is no amount of money that is worth your life. Even if I was getting paid a million dollars a month, if whatever I was doing was giving me stress to the point where I was like having a heart attack Mm. or potential heart failure or just anything... I would quit my job. Yeah, money right. is not the key to happiness. Absolutely, and a lot of people think it is, but those people usually don't have money. But once you get money, you realize that there's a lot of real things out there that are more important. Yeah, um, I've seen stories that have people who made millions and hundreds of millions, tens of millions, and they were just not happy, mm-hmm. and then yeah. they gave it up. Like if you you actually look at um, Mike Tyson's stuff, like a lot mm-hmm. of Mike Tyson stuff, he. People talk about like, oh, how does it feel to have all this money and didn't have nothing? And he's like, I've never been happier. But when I had nothing, I don't have fake people around me. Yeah. You know, I don't have, um, uh, everything is not about money when, when you don't have it. Yeah. In a lot of ways, uh, there's, now there's a big controversy. For example, there are people like Verwan Alex Ramosi and the person he, he, who he stole this quote off of, by the way, the quote is saying, whoever said money can't buy happiness hasn't given up of it away. And so in that regard, yes, money can technically buy you happiness, but it's because you're not using it for yourself. You're using it for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is an unbelievably amount or an unbelievable amount of freedom when you don't have that kind of pressure on you anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, from my experience, the reason why I say there's no specific, like, there's nothing wrong with quitting a job, even if you don't have anything lined up, because I was in a similar situation. I got let go from my job and I had no fallback plan, right? So I was essentially unemployed. Mm. And so I had the money that I had in my bank account and I had 
one choice or technically two choices. I was either going to fail and be homeless or I was going to get a job and support my family. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's the beautiful thing about taking that leap is when you have nothing planned. We've mentioned this before, but when you have nothing planned, you put yourself in an, into an environment where you have only two choices. You yeah. either sink, sink or, swim. or you swim. Yeah, and you will be surprised how well you can swim. Yeah, you find out what kind of person you are. Yeah, and that's when I found out what kind of person I am, right? Mm -hmm. I lived, I was working a super chill, relaxed job as a assistant campus director, which is just a really fancy title. I was basically somebody who, like an academic advisor. I got let go from that position, and next thing you know, here I am, business consultant, making significantly more than that last job. Mm -hmm. And I had to, like jump through multiple hurdles, job after job after job. But it was in that three week period of unemployment that I all of a sudden had this like self discovery. I found out like who I really am, mm -hmm. what I was really good at and all that kind of stuff. So ultimately, no, I don't think it's necessarily morally wrong. Mm -hmm. Again, if you're in a really high position where like, again, a leadership or management position and people depend on you technically, but again, as soon as you leave, somebody will simply replace you. That is the way of the world in business. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to, like I said, the whole moral part, uh, I think should be taken out of the question because mm. like, I don't think it falls under the scale of morality more so it's like smart or not. Like is yeah. it smart or is it not smart to, to quit your job without anything back lined mm. up? And like, because moral, I think, is like, there's one person on this train track and five people on this train track and the train's going to hit one. Yeah, which yeah. one do you do? Like, which one's morally the right way to go? Do you just let it go do its thing or do mm -hmm. you choose? Um, but whether it's smart or not, I think it really depends on, like, the, the severity of the health issues, this, um, mm -hmm. your life, your, where you are in your life. Are you uh, providing for somebody or are you just providing for yourself? Because when you know you got kids and you got a wife or a husband or whatever the case may be, if you have a family involved, things could be a little bit different. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to suck up some level of pain and, and torment for your kids. Yeah. And um, if that level of pain and torment is uh, reasonable, and it's if your job isn't like going above going over that level of torment that a human can handle without breaking down mentally, then. Mm -hmm. You might want to just stick it out for a little while while you look for something else. But if this is like um, a really dangerous job, like you could lose a finger tomorrow type job, yeah. then probably get out of there you yeah. know, quick. Yeah. I think those are pretty pretty sound, right? Like if you got people to depend on you, uh, do what you can. But at the same time, put yourself in a situation where it's like, yeah, I have people depending on me. But if what I do would end up killing me then you're no good to anybody yeah, because yeah. you could quit your job, find a new job and still continue to support your family. They may have to suffer a little bit because you were looking for work, but if you're dead, you can never work again. Yeah. Right. So, like so. If, if you, if you can die, then probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if exactly. it's just like stress, maybe you no know, rumor mill type stuff. And mm -hmm. it's like, you can just ignore it. I mean, it may get to you, but like, you may just have to suck up some things like that. Or if it's just, you know, if it's just, um, some kind of bullying or something like that you may just have to suck it up if you have like kids or somebody yeah. to like depend on you you know mm. you don't because once you quit and you have other people depending on you you're really putting everybody in a bind mm. at that point all right so hopefully that answered your question uh, i'm gonna go ahead and get to the next one it's actually somewhat similar it's also it's also about job stress mm. uh, but his question or hers i can't tell says, how can someone fight laziness at their job if they don't like it, 
and they can't quit for financial reasons. So this is obviously a little bit different because at the same time, they're not suffering from some kind of life-threatening illness or stress-related illness. Uh, they just don't like their job, but it's really difficult for them to be productive in anything because they are quote unquote lazy. Mm. So if it's just laziness, that's something kind of internal. It mm -hmm. goes beyond just the job. Like you have to find, I guess well, a lot of rich people will say, find your why, find your reason. Yeah. Um, and push towards that reason. Maybe find something to find a way to make it fun mm -hmm. for you. So they get your job done, maybe talk to your management and get a different um, task that's maybe more fun and try to get another job while you're coping with the job that you have, yeah. just in case you may have to like jump ship. I get you. So for me, I would pretty much say the first thing that I think is that nobody is really lazy lazy it's just a, a specific kind of mindset and usually laziness is created because your environment doesn't allow you to be productive and mm. so you become bored and bored essentially makes you lazy in a way so for example yeah my last job before the my more recent one is i had a ridiculous amount of free time right i there were literally days when i would come into the office and i had nothing to do mm -hmm. right there was no work to be done but i had to be there for some reason for about eight hours and despite not having anything to do you would think that i would have time to edit videos or like uh, create scripts for the podcast or mm -hmm. you know write my stories and while it was what i wanted to do mm -hmm. i couldn't for some reason bring myself to do it and the reason why is when i realized after reading the um, atomic habits book was that my environment didn't allow me to be productive mm -hmm. and when i took a look at it you know i took a step back and really saw what it was i was in a big office with two other workers who loved to talk mm -hmm. and there was a giant tv in our office with that was constantly playing disney plus content right mm -hmm. so all that stuff star wars and of course i love star wars i'm a huge star wars nerd and i like marvel as well so for me to try and be productive and do video editing or anything of that nature was really difficult when i'm trying to write something or, or fix something because i got to listen into the content for audio editing and all of a sudden i hear like blasters going off and lightsabers mm -hmm. flaring around and yeah. people like very iconic voices and i'm like oh that's luke or, or whatever right mm -hmm. So because of that, I was constantly distracted and it got to the point where I would be like, you know what? I'm going to just watch this episode. I'm going to just let it, let it finish and uh, we'll get to the next one or and by the next episode, I'll, I'll be able to continue to, to do my work. Mm. <sighs> it did not go as planned. I yeah. can tell you that. And so what I ended up doing once I realized what the issue was, I would come into work and I would put headphones on yeah. and I would play. Uh, like for me, I like classical music, so I play like violin music or piano is my favorite. Sometimes I'll listen to what's called like binaural beats, it's supposed to help you focus. And I would put them on both of my ears, specifically on days when I knew I didn't have anything to do and I just had to be there. All of a sudden, I'm getting a week's worth of what would normally take a week to do, I could do it in a single day, mm -hmm. right? Because I created an environment where I turned away, I wasn't looking at the TV anymore, I couldn't see it, I couldn't hear it, so to me, it was like non-existent, mm -hmm. and I could get work done, I could just focus on what I was doing. And I stopped being lazy, because there was no longer a way for me to be lazy. It was either, you know, you come in, you do your job, yeah. and then otherwise, I was like, okay, now I'm in an environment where if I'm not doing what I'm paid to do, I can just do, you know, stuff on, on my side time, so. 
Yeah, you got to get rid of the distractors. Um, find a way to make what you're doing fun. If you, unless you have like nothing to do, then you know, mm-hmm. get, that's when you want to get rid of distractors and make do something on your own. But if you have a lot of work to do and the work is just boring, try to make the work fun. Try to find a way to make it interesting. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, so those were just a couple of questions that were asked to me. So we're going to go ahead and dive into some more topics and see what we want to answer. So again, we'll go ahead and talk about things like, what do you want to look at? We have study habits, relationships, people, podcast, business, or, well, yeah, you don't want to do writing. So that's more my thing. But what you got? We can try writing. Let's try it. Let's try writing. Okay. Okay, uh, the very first question is, what is the best time in your life to start writing fiction books? As soon as possible, I guess. <laughs> if you, yeah, really, that's the that's real what answer. You want to do. If that's what you want to do, then just do it. Like, there's never going to be a right time. And if you're waiting for a right time, yeah. you're going to find it. I, I forget who specifically said this quote, but I've heard it from someone before. Uh, where they say, you know, the best time to start a business was 25 years ago. The mm-hmm. second best time is now. So the best time to write a book is probably 15 years ago because maybe that book wasn't out yet, uh, but the next best time is right now. So there's no specific writer, there's no wrong time to start a business or start a uh, writing a book. Uh, you just, the easiest way from my experience is take things from your life that you have experienced and use that creative brain of yours to completely change it in a world, like create a world where all this stuff happens. For example, you can use something like how I met my wife and how we got married, mm-hmm. right? I can talk about how I had a crazy wedding and then all of a sudden I can write a story about how two people need to get married or they love each other, but like Romeo and Juliet, something like their families hate each other and all of a sudden their marriage would lead to like the end of all existence. Yeah. Like, are they going to do it, right? Yeah. And that was literally just off the top of my head. Yeah, it's, it's the best time to do it again is now. I get, there's really no other answer to that. There's, no one can tell you, oh, do it in a week from now, do it this year, because when it comes to writing, just do it. Like, there's absolutely no perfect time to do it. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, so here's one I think is a little bit easy. Well, after this, we'll probably jump into something a little bit more specific. But one of the people says, what are the benefits of writing uh, nonfiction books as opposed to writing, like, science fiction books? Benefits? Yeah, let's see um, if you can figure that one out. I don't know if there's any benefits. It's just more, well, what do you think you can do better at it? And that really just depends on you. Like, are you better at writing science fiction? Or are you better at writing at, uh, what was this, fiction? And yeah, fiction and nonfiction. Or, yeah, science fiction also works. Um, what are you better at? Because if you can't paint a science fiction picture, like you can paint a realistic fiction picture, then maybe to stick with the regular fiction. But it really depends on how well you can develop that world yeah. and how well you can pull people into that world. And science fiction, obviously, is things that don't exist and, you know, futuristic usually and sometimes sometimes even, like, uh, prehistoric. Yeah. Um, but if you can't pull together this world that doesn't even exist and probably never will exist, then maybe you should just stick to realistic fiction mm. or something that is in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it, the general way to put it is that if you're writing nonfiction, it's a little bit easier. And the only reason I say that is because it's all based on realism. Mm-hmm. So if I said, you know, like the dude pulled out a gun and shot it, 
I don't need to be super specific because you know how a gun works, right? I don't need to be like, oh, the mechanism and the spring yeah. and the bore and all and all those things that included. But if I'm writing nonfiction and I want to have some kind of like magic, for example, I mean, you could write magic in a million ways, right? Does it use a wand? Is it a staff? Does it come from a book? Do you use incantation? Do you use uh, hand signs like in Naruto? Mm -hmm. And then where does it come from? Does it come from the caster or is it able to come from like thin air? Or does it have yeah. to be within a specific area? Like you can't use water unless water is around you like Avatar, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the difficult thing is you have to create, you have to basically be creative again if you're using nonfiction because the, what you're trying to write doesn't actually exist and you have to make it exist and you have to make it in a way that it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to because magic can just be magic. Yeah. But, Is it nonfiction or regular fiction? It said nonfiction. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so same I, thing with science fiction, I guess. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I, I guess to answer the question as far as like it was pros and cons, right? Basically. Yeah. What was the benefit of writing uh, nonfiction as opposed to writing fiction? So I think the benefit, like you said, is of nonfiction is that it is real. Yeah. It actually could happen. Well. Well, it actually did happen yeah. if it's nonfiction. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it would be realistic fiction. But um, nonfiction, yeah, it actually happened. So just tell the story as it happened. Yeah. And then be as descriptive as possible to make it really pop. Um, science fiction is all in your head. Yeah. So the biggest drawback to science fiction is continuity. Mm. How do you continue with the continuity if it never actually happened? So yeah. if you did like a nonfiction, like you said, if somebody got shot, you know, this happened, then this happened, led to this happening, and then you can... It's like math. It's no matter how you cut it up, it always equals the same number. Yeah. But um, with science fiction, uh, if you ever watch like a, a TV series, like you can cut it up different ways, and it doesn't yeah, equal the same numbers. Like what happened here? What about this? What about that? Mm -hmm. And it's so many continuity errors. Yeah, that's also true. Okay, we'll go ahead and look about. Oops. In fact, that's actually how like cops, you know, pick out your your lies and stuff. It's like yeah. this doesn't line continuity. up. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said this, but then you were over here. And yeah, it's like, what about that? Said this part. <clears throat> All right. So let's go ahead and pick a different one. Let's try people. Okay, this one will be a really quick answer because we already know it. <clears throat> I just thought it was kind of funny. Why do people remove the price tag while giving a gift? Obviously, they don't want them to know how yeah. much they spend on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the ultimate. Because at the same time, it's you are afraid that either one, they're going to look at it and be like, this, is, this dude's a cheapskate. Mm -hmm. Or like... If it's really expensive, they're going to be like, why is he buying me such an expensive yeah. gift? Like, what does he so think much, of it, me? You know? If you're married, you might be like, why are you spending so much mm -hmm. of our money on this? Or, you know, if they don't like you for the right reasons, it might, you didn't spend enough money on me. Or it could just simply because you don't want them to focus on the price. Yeah. Rather right. than just give. Because again, money. it is the thought that matters. Mm -hmm. Right. So, okay. So let's get on this one. It's a little bit more specific. Uh, here we go. Why is life so difficult for some people but easy for others? I.e., what mistakes did some people make that makes it so difficult for them to live? Uh, it's really hard to say, you know, just generally speaking. And uh, <clears throat> so I guess the answer, the better, the best way to answer that would be just mental. Yeah. It's like, how are you able to cope with things? Because everybody has their problems. Mm -hmm. Some people are able to cope with them, some people aren't. And some people's problems are way worse. 
and they're able to cope with it than somebody who just has like, oh, I'm late for work or something like that and they can't handle it or their boss um, gets on them and they can't handle it. Yeah. So people don't even have limbs and they're fine. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's what it ultimately boils down to is perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Because, for example, if I came home and I was exhausted and I was like, dude, I had a stressful day. And then someone's like, what happened? Well, like, I just had a bunch of appointments and, and you know, uh, people were yelling at me. And they're like, that's not stressful, man. Have you ever been in a firefight? Mm-hmm. Like, no, but we process stress differently, right? Maybe you're used to being in a firefight or maybe, you know, swimming in the ocean is incredibly stressful and anxiety inducing. Yeah. So, but it's, but the biggest thing is that <clears throat> what happens to you happens for you is a saying that I like to to live by because when bad things happen you have two choices you can either let it control you and let it ruin your life or you can use it as a way to become stronger essentially Mm -hmm. so example when I lost my job right that was a bad thing that happened to me because now I was essentially unemployed and I was faced with a serious situation of whether or not I was going to make it and be successful and provide for my family or if I was going to be homeless, you know, and lose my family because of it. If I had been a weaker man, I would have simply blamed others for what happened to me and been like, oh, woe is me. My life sucks. And I want other people to pity me. And by pity me, I mean, give me money or give me a free job without me trying to do something. Mm -hmm. And it's that kind of mindset that ultimately makes you, I hate to say it, but it makes you a failure at life. Because if you're not willing to accept mistakes, even if, for example, if somebody crashed into you and like broke your leg, granted, that's not your fault, right? You did nothing wrong in that situation. Mm. But regardless, you have to make the decision. Do I want to become the victim of the situation for the rest of my life? Or do I want to make something out of it? Do I want to turn lead into gold, if you will? Mm. So I think that's the biggest thing. Because, again, there are a lot of people out there who... Unfortunately, you know, bad things happen to them and they're never able to fully recover from it. They continue to blame others or, you know, blame the situation itself for making me this way and I can never change. And now, obviously, there are certain situations if you're like psychologically different, right? If you have a different mindset, whether you're maybe it's like ADHD, your brain cannot process it in a certain way. I don't know the specifics because I'm not a scientist. Mm -hmm. But overall, again... If something negative happens to you, if you want to be successful, look at it as essentially a way to overcome an obstacle. And if you can overcome that obstacle, then you can probably overcome the next obstacle and the next one and the next one. Yeah, it's all about perspective and it's all about how you deal with your issues. If you um, take everything, all the stressors, and you pile it all up and look at it as a whole, then you can probably you know, exasperate the stress, but if you look at it as like little tasks that you can just complete to, to solve, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to deal with it. I would totally agree. All right, we'll go ahead and answer this one. This one's kind of funny, I think, because we hear this all the time in the military. Why do some people lack common sense? You ever heard the saying, uh, what is it, common sense is not, not common? common? Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of that one? Why do people lack common sense? Upbringing. Upbringing. Um, yes. Yeah, societal things um systematic things schooling mm-hmm. your parents um what you are exposed to all the time social media and all that stuff and people just don't know basic things yeah because of that they don't they don't learn they don't try to learn mm-hmm. and 
again, like the school, they may not be teaching you common sense things. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think what you said was probably like hitting the nail on the head is that it really depends on the environment. So for example, what is considered common in San Diego or for example, what is considered common in Japan is you greet everybody with a bow, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're from the States or anywhere else from Japan and you don't, they may look at you and be like, this dude doesn't know like how to properly greet. It's the most common thing in Japan. Yeah, but like, <clears throat> uh, so for example, let's say you, you're driving around, right? Mm -hmm. And you get a flat tire. Right. And then you just stop and you're like, what do I do now? Common sense will tell you to change the tire. Right. But like if you're a rich kid or a kid from a rich parent, parents or whatever, and the chauffeur um, had a flat tire, they would call for another ride maybe and then they'll mm -hmm. get out of that car and go in another car. So, yeah. But when they drive themselves and they get a flat tire, like, what do I do? Do yeah. I call for another car? <laughs> Something like that. So, like, they don't know common sense because they never had to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And they don't, they never had to think critically. So, I think, yeah, so it, the environment really dictates whether or not you're going to be have common sense. Yeah. And um, the things that you have to go through in life dictates whether or not you're going to have common sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because in my life, I've, didn't really have anybody guiding me. I always had to figure things out myself. So when uh -huh. anything, some, anytime something happened, I would have to like think critically and problem solve and like think outside the box mm -hmm. and um, common sense things. And sometimes even more less common sense, I guess you could say. Like mm -hmm. I had to think um, beyond the realms of common. Mm -hmm. But like a rich kid, a spoiled kid, somebody with no guidance, somebody who's real sheltered will never even know how to fix common issues. Yeah, again, because of their environment. Mm -hmm. All right, so we covered people. So let's talk about a different topic. What do you feel like doing? Get relationships, study habits, podcasts. Let's do relationship. Relationships, that's ought to be good. Okay. Uh, no, you know what? I don't want to answer this one. Well, all right. Screw it. Let's go ahead and try it. Why do women like to play games when it comes to relationships? Uh, those women that like to play games are likely manipulators. Mm -hmm. So they're just trying to control a situation because they have options. Yeah, a lot of women have options because they can get, usually they get hit on all the time. So mm -hmm. they like to play games with basically... An easy guy, I guess. Yeah. I think there's another one to it. I think that might be one of the more sinister reasons. Uh, but I have seen, at least I've heard, a couple of reasons why women play games. And it's because they want the guy to, like, commit. Mm. Right? So, and I guess it depends on what you consider games. Like, if, it, if games is hitting on other guys while you're with the person you're dating, like, that's probably a different kind of game. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, you know, playing cute showing like I'm interested and then later on kind of like being a little bit standoffish and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, the reason why people would do that, not necessarily women, but I guess in this situation we are talking about women. Mm -hmm. The reason they do that is because, you know, they want to be chased. They want to be shown. They want you to show them that you are willing to chase after them, yeah. right? So, that you're not easy. Yeah, it sounds like the games are <clears throat> referring to a test. Yeah. little test. And um, honestly, I, I don't care too much for it because... Mm -hmm. 
I think communication is more important than tests. You shouldn't be like trying to um, trying to flirt with your your significant other mm. and then like kind of like pull away from them and see what they're gonna do. Yeah, like just talk to them. You know, see yeah. if they're not interested in you, they're not interested. You shouldn't be playing these games because when you start playing games with other people, then they're gonna they may start playing games with you mm-hmm. and then it just turns into some kind of toxic relationship yeah now I understand like it could also be a situation that they're maybe they were played when they were dating somebody else and so they want to do the same thing mm-hmm. and again that's just a revenge scheme you're yeah. literally targeting somebody who had nothing to do with your last relationship and so it's, it's not even toxicity. their fault yeah so <clears throat> I understand the concept but overall if you want to have like a, like a successful relationship and again, this is super corny, I guess you could say, but it, it is really like the end all be all decision is just be who you are, right? Mm-hmm. If they, we've heard the saying, like, if a man wants something, he'll get it no matter what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he may not, like, if you won't let him have you, then that's a different story. But like, there, there is no excuse for any of us. If we want something, we'll always find a way to get it. And if we don't want something, we'll always find an excuse to keep us from getting it. Mm-hmm. That is how it is. So be who you are, and if the guy or girl, whoever you're dating, if they want you, they will want you regardless of your flaws, regardless of who you are in any negative way, because they will look beyond that and see what they like, and if that's enough, that's enough. Yeah, some, sometimes games cause stress. So if you're stressing out your significant other, eventually they're gonna just leave you because yeah. they don't need all that. Yeah, or worse, what if you find somebody who, who likes it when you play games, and then once you realize like, oh, this person is the one, and then you stop playing games, now they're gonna think you're somebody different, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? So again, you're not being yourself, and that mask comes off, and they're like, well, I really liked, I really liked this like game of cat and mouse we played, mm-hmm. and I realized like, that's not who you, are, who you really are, yeah. I guess I'll move on. And sometimes you can lose them if you're playing the wrong games. Like, you could be playing a game, like, maybe um, they're real flirtatious at one point, and then they just switch to being like completely angry yeah and that's not who you are but you're just kind of seeing how they would react to it yeah and they could be like well i had a relationship like this before i don't want to do this again yeah i'm out and yeah. like no that Jump wasn't ship. me i was just i was just playing no nah, i'm out because now you're crazy because now you're <laughs> pretending to be this person yeah so like you can completely lose somebody just because you're playing the wrong games you know they say play stupid games win stupid prizes yeah i get you on that one all right let's look for another one Okay, this one seems pretty simple. How can individuals build and maintain healthy boundaries in relationships? What do you think? Communication. Yeah. Yeah. Just communicate and talk about it. Um, point it out. If there's something where they're about to cross these boundaries, then maybe mm-hmm. point it out before it actually happens. Try to set your boundaries at the beginning. Yeah. Maybe not too... too close to the beginning you know not on the first date yeah not all at least not all your boundaries on the first date because people can sound crazy if they have too many boundaries on the mm-hmm. first date it's like relax like we're not even yeah yeah it's not just, that serious yeah we're just courting right now <laughs> we're not actually in a relationship so well um, as the the relationship develops from the first date on start to set your boundaries and start let people know let that person know like what where they can't go yeah and and maybe even ask in fact actually that's a, a better way um sometimes if you give your boundaries it opens the other person up to let them say their boundaries yeah. and if you ask or if you basically set the stage like 
all right, this is hard for me to say, but I want to talk about this. And these are my boundaries for this. What do you think? And then they're like, okay, well, I, I respect the fact that it was difficult for you to say what you said anyway. So let me go ahead and say what I have to say. So if you open up the, um, the dialogue, sometimes that you can see a lot of boundaries that you would have never seen before. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's one of those like touchy topics for some, but it feels really good to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I've done that with one of my relationships where like when we were dating, now granted this was not my wife, but <clears throat> when we were dating, we kind of talked and I was like, so what are the things that you don't like? You know, mm-hmm. I want to know because I don't want to like, you know, make you mad. And, you know, she told me like, oh, you know, I don't like these things. And I'm like, this is my biggest pet peeve was this. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? I get that. Okay. And like, it's all well and good because we established boundaries. And now I know that if I want to continue this relationship, not to cross these lines, yeah. right? Like, don't even push beyond the lines unless it's something maybe really, really important. Mm-hmm. Like if, for example, if you're dating someone who's like vegan and they don't want to eat any meat and you're like, okay, fine, but are you okay with me eating meat? And if she's like not okay with that, then you need to figure out some kind of compromise where it's like maybe we'll just not never have dinner together, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Or just break up. Yeah, sometimes, or sometimes you, know, you got to do that. Yeah, sometimes the boundaries can be not reasonable for your lifestyle. Yeah. Because like, if, again, if a vegan doesn't want you to eat meat and you're like a carnivore yeah. and you barely eat vegetables, then probably not going to work out, especially if they don't want to use the same be in the same area as the meat that you have or mm-hmm. use the same dishes and they don't want to smell the meat. And it, it could just be, sometimes the relationships are just not worth it. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. you know, find somebody else. It is unfortunate because sometimes you feel like you're in love with somebody and then you realize that no matter how much you try, the overall invasion of your boundaries will probably cost you your sanity yeah. and maybe even cost you your life in some situations and some that's point, not worth it you have to realize you may just be better off as friends yeah yeah and there's nothing wrong with that yeah i've, I've actually dated um I've, I've actually been involved with um females that i realized were better better off as friends yeah. and then like to this day like we don't talk on a regular basis but we're still cordial we're still friendly mm-hmm. with each other and it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot more toxic because yeah. we definitely don't mesh well in the relationship, but we, we really mesh well as friends. Mm. So because their lifestyle versus my lifestyle just didn't ma- match up. Sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah. You get, you know, it's one of those things we talk about in relationships where you have what's called the rose tinted glasses. Everything is rosy and beautiful until it's not. And then all of a sudden it, when it's not, it's significantly worse. But if you can kind of catch it in the, like before it, it gets into something crazy, you kind of realize at that point whether or not it's really worth chasing. Yeah, sometimes you don't even know your boundaries. Yeah. So, like, you start learning your boundaries. Yeah. It could be like a toilet seat issue. Like, you could live by yourself forever, and, like, I never had an issue with a toilet seat until <laughs> I was with this person. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a boundary that I would like not to be crossed, and then, you know, ed, um, communicate that when it happens. Yeah. Or, if, like, I don't like my face touch, but I've always lived alone, so I never had that issue, so I never even knew that I didn't mm-hmm. like it. So... Now that I'm in this relationship, don't touch my face, like something like that, you know, yeah, things yeah. that you never knew because you never were um, exposed to it. Mm-hmm. So as you develop boundaries and let your partner know, as you, uh, I guess you could say dissolve boundaries too, because sometimes you like, I never thought I would like this, but now I do. Yeah. 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 You, sometimes those walls can come down and you find out something new about yourself. Yeah. All right. We're going to stop. We're going to go ahead and do one more topic, maybe a couple questions from here, and we're going to be doing the podcast topic. Since, you know, we're experts at podcasting, right? (laughs) 
Uh, so let's see what we have here. Okay, here's one. What should be the topic you all want me to discuss if I start a podcast on psychometric assessments? Uh, first question is, what's a psychometric <laughs> assessment? That was a joke. We're not actually going to read that one because I don't know what psychometric assessments are either. So just wanted to see if you were on your toes. Okay. Okay, here's one. What are some alternatives to Patreon for funding podcasts? By the way, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash podcast JP. What are the alternatives? Yeah. The Patreon? Ouch. I guess it depends on the pot. It depends on the podcast. Like if you're doing really um, edgy podcasts, yeah. OnlyFans could possibly be well, yeah, there your is alternative that. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have. I know we had an episode on a couple of different options of. Um, Alternatives, to yeah. We talked about things like Kofi yeah. was one of them. Um, there was another one, I'm trying to think of it, but I can't off the top of my head. But Kofi is one of them. I know I've recently read about one called Substack. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one is a newsletter kind of account. You do have to pay to have like a Substack account, but essentially, it's like a subscription base. You create a Substack and you create like newsletters and emails that you send out to your followers so they can keep up to date with like the newest content. Mm-hmm. I think you, it's similar to Patreon. You can post your exclusive content there. Your subscribers will pay and they get access to it. And then they can, you know, I think they can join for free in some situations, but then you give them exclusive access to it. So, like, mm-hmm. hey, you can't comment unless you're a subscriber or yeah. you get access to additional content and, and all the things like that. So other alternatives can be like an open source sort of um, option, which mm-hmm. make your own website. Yeah, you can do and that too. And then you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can also do like a, a cash app type deal where they can like donate to you and maybe they get exclusive content or like some kind of anything like Zelle, cash yeah. app, um, Venmo, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, merch is another really big one. People merch. will create their own merchandise yeah. right, mm-hmm. with their logos or something that they talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could sell that. And that's not exclusive to Patreon. I, don't, I think you can now sell merchandise through Patreon. Mm-hmm. I know YouTube is really big with selling merchandise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And also like on YouTube, they, they can subscribe to you, but there's also like this new thing where it's like, you can join some kind of team where you pay monthly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a super subscription to a, a YouTube channel where you can pay monthly. And I guess you get special things. I don't. I haven't really dove into it too much, but yeah. um, I've seen people that do it. Underneath like the video, you'll see like some kind of these colored buttons where you can just like pay X amount per month to be like a super supporter of that channel. So that's another option. Yeah, and I'll, and depending on where your podcast is there's options usually mm-hmm. where you can subscribe or follow or yeah. there's usually like a, a monetary way of su- supporting as well yeah like if, again if you have a podcast for example we have one on spotify and once you reach a certain threshold of like viewers and i think even subscribers you can get paid just because they'll put ads on it so that's one way and then again outsourcing it to a separate podcast like apple podcast or google podcast will run the same situation, right? Now you have people who will listening to you on a different platform. You have Patreon. You have you can start putting your podcast on YouTube, which is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And you can get monetized through the YouTube AdSense. Or yeah. again, you have merchandise. You have Kofi. You have Substack. Like the 
outsourcing, not outsourcing, but the third party ways to, to accrue more monetization for your content. Uh, they're not limitless, but they are plenty. Yeah, so you can do like Rumble, Kick, YouTube, Twitch, and all of those have different monetization things that you can do. Like, for example, Twitch, you can be a subscriber. Yeah. And subscribing costs you somewhere around 5 or $6 a month, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. And that's a way to support. And they also have like these bits and these cheers. And that's a way that you can also give people money for the content that they provide, mm-hmm. which helps them to, you know, uh, financially support the crap that they do. And also it inspires them and motivates them to continue to do right. it. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna move on to, uh, I think we got time for one more question. Here we go. What are your thoughts on podcasts? Are they worth listening to or are we at peak podcast saturation already? Uh, I don't think we're at peak podcast saturation. I mean, if we are, then um, the ones that are not doing as well aren't gonna really pop up. But should we do podcasts? Yeah, I mean, kind of have to say that right yeah of course <laughs> but <laughs> or maybe we should be like no you guys are done you shouldn't do yeah, podcasts anymore give it up leave it alone <laughs> yeah let's do it yeah leave it to the pros but know. yeah podcasts are they're fun and interesting you know because it basically usually podcasts yeah. or I, I think all podcasts i don't know the definition of podcasts but i think all podcasts have more than one person right i don't think there's mm. any podcasts with one person not every podcast does i know that the, I'm, I'm sure there are some that have a specific individual mm. um but generally, and I know this is kind of like the rule of thumb, is at minimum, you normally want to have two people in your podcast because that, the general idea of podcast is having a discussion. Yeah, having right? different viewpoints. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So, and that's uh, basically what I was getting at. Like, you want different opinions because you can watch somebody who does a, kind of basically a monologue mm-hmm. of their opinion on a certain topic. And you're only getting that view. And if you don't align with their view, mm-hmm. then, you know, sometimes you don't want to watch it. Like me, yeah. I like to watch people who I don't agree with. Yeah. Because I like to see different views and like, I like to see where people's mind are and why they are there. But some people, they, if they don't mesh well, if their views don't line, align with the person who's on the screen, mm-hmm. they don't want to watch it. So to have a podcast with one or more people and their views aren't exactly the same, you could be like, well, I agree with person A today, but tomorrow I might agree with person B. Right. And then I get to see how them two solve their differences. Mm-hmm. And then I can think to myself, how would I have solved my difference in that same conversation? Makes sense. Yeah, I personally think, just like I would say for like YouTube, is no, there's no satur- it's not oversaturated for podcasts because there are, I mean, who knows how many. There's probably hundreds, maybe even hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of podcasts that focus on something that's just like historical events, right? Mm-hmm. Yet, what makes the podcast interesting or entertaining is the overall individuals who are talking about the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So if I like, I'm sure there are people just like Joe Rogan who talk about the exact same things that Joe Rogan does or with interview with similar people that Joe Rogan interviews, but it's not Joe Rogan. And those podcasts are also still quite popular because maybe Joe Rogan doesn't fit people's MO, right? He's he's too much of a upbeat individual or not enough science-based things, whatever. He's not as relatable because he's got a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe somebody else who's doing the same type of content is in a different position in life. Maybe they're poor, maybe they're homeless, maybe they are a veteran or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you can just mesh well more with them 
because Joe Rogan is more of a martial artist. He's more of a, a, a really disciplined person, and he's got a lot of money. He's done a lot of things. You may not want to listen to him. Yeah. Know? But um, I would say it's not saturated enough because there's times when I wanted to listen to a certain topic, and, and I it, wanted like it doesn't exist, yeah, right? <laughs> I wanted a channel that's specifically focused on that topic only, and yeah. you can't find it. You might find yeah. a podcast um, from a, a podcast group that. They had one episode where they talked about this, but mm. then that's it. Yeah. And then like you have to go through different pages of YouTube. And yeah. No one ever wants to go to the second page of YouTube. But yeah. you go to different pages of YouTube trying to find that content, and then you might find somebody with like two subscribers mm. that's doing that that content. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. It gets to the point where again, like we talked about, uh, David Goggins is somebody who I would probably want to listen to, but maybe like again. If somebody is talking about a specific topic, they don't get enough in depth into it, and I want to follow somebody else, mm-hmm. or I gotta look at look for somebody else. So again, there is so much content out there in the world that is just completely unexplored, mm-hmm. or it's explored, but it's explored from one angle specifically, or it's not enough information. So no, yeah, podcast is not oversaturated. It is still like undersaturated because there's just so much to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I look at podcasts like if you're in your high school and you're at lunch and mm-hmm. you have these tables of people, different types of people. Yeah, those are like the podcasts, and it's like you walk into that cafeteria for the first day and like you wonder where should I sit, mm-hmm. who do I, you know, yeah, yeah, who do I align with, and maybe you don't ever find it, and that's kind of how podcasts are. It's like maybe you haven't found that podcast that you align with because it doesn't exist yet because mm-hmm. we. Are not that we're not at that level. We're not oversaturated at all. If we're mm. oversaturated, you you will never have a problem finding who you're looking for. Yeah, that's true. You would get recommendations of like a hundred different people who fit your criteria of yeah. like, oh, I want to listen about I don't know the evolution of cats or something. Yeah. And as of right now, like the algorithm is just pushing out the fir- the the top one hundred people. Or, yeah. You know, because I can I usually watch YouTube. Sometimes I watch like YouTube um, mm. without signing in. Because I just want to see oh. what's being pushed to people without the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing the same people yeah. as I'm seeing when I do log in. So I'm like, so these people aren't being directed to me because that's what I want to watch. I want to, I tend to want to watch it because that's what they're pushing out to me. Yeah. So it's kind of backwards. Mm-hmm. But okay, I think that is going to end it for the episode today. Unless you got anything else you want to talk about. That's it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening and or watching Uh, Tune in next time. We'll be answering a couple more questions. But until then, keep on climbing.